0: Morning. Welcome to family style worship, right? Uh, Some of you really love this. Some of you it makes you nervous. Some of you are now like leaning over your spouse saying if I start to get a little sleepy, pinch me, hit me something because I don't want anybody else across the room to see me get a little sleepy, right? Um, We do this because at communion time, uh, just as a family gathers around the table to have supper, to have lunch, to have breakfast, we want to do the same thing. And uh, next week, you'll be different because we're actually gonna have a meal afterwards so I believe there's a sign-up sheet on the back make sure you sign up for that uh, if you want to bring something but we want you all to come back and stick around after church and enjoy each other's company again around a different table okay but this week uh, we're celebrating communion and uh, we're continuing our discussion on love and uh, if you do me a favor grab your bibles if you don't have a bible we'll get you one put one in your hand and you can uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Pastor Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Keep going. Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. Keep going. You almost get to the back when you get to Hebrews. If you get to James, you've gone too far. Now, I don't know if you've heard this tradition that just got started. I guess, I don't know, it a tradition if it's five years old? Maybe. that's a new tradition then. Uh, in, J- in Japan, is, uh, actually, they, they said love was in the air in Tokyo Park a few weeks ago. Uh, as normally, Japanese husbands, who are get rather calm and reserved, they gather together at Tokyo Park uh, to scream out their feelings for their wives. Okay? So just sort of imagine this. They're promising uh, gratitude and extra tight hugs and all this kind of stuff. Now you have to understand, modesty and being reserved are traditionally uh, valued. or being outspoken and expressing themselves with these deep feelings in Japan. So that's why when these dozens of men gathered together in Tokyo Park before January 31st, which by the way, January 31st in Japanese is sort of a play on words, which means beloved wife. Okay, so they they gathered together to sort of let their feelings fly. Now, declarations ranged from a simple, I love you forever, okay, one of those, to uh, where one gentleman yelled this, I'm sorry that I've gained weight over the last seven years. Okay? Then he continued, but that's because your cooking is so delicious. Aw. It doesn't work though, like that, does it, guys? Our wives are like, no, that's, that's not why. But thank you, right? Well, this event is now in its fifth year, and uh, Mr. Yamana, with the support of a local flower shop, urged uh, these Japanese men to express their love for their spouses. So that's how this all started, okay? Now, he the said, and again, this is, a, this is a certain gentleman who started this. This is his opinion. Because as a result of this, the economy is getting better in Japan. <laughs> all right. And I see a lot of Japanese married couples getting more active and deepening their relationships, he went on to say. Now, we don't know if that's really true as a result of what they're doing, but it might be. But here's, here's one wife who said, she was in the, uh, in the audience, she, she laughed and she clapped, especially when her husband got down on his knees to offer a bouquet of flowers. And this is what she said. He's very fabulous and manly today. And then she went on to say, it just reminded me how macho he used to be. I'd forgotten that in the eight years that we have been married. My heart pounded. Let me hear you say, aww. Yeah, isn't that nice? Oh. Now, now imagine this. Imagine that on this Thursday, if everybody in northwest Ohio just went out, let's say at noon, okay, and just screamed out, men, okay, your love for your wife. Whatever it may be. I love you. Your cooking's awesome. and Whatever it may be, okay? Could you just sort of imagine what that would be like? No. Okay. Well, we, I tried to, to have you imagine and think about that, but expressing love comes in many different ways. That's one way it's expressed in Tokyo Park. But as we said last week in Hebrews 12, love is expressed in other ways. And now, you're in Hebrews chapter 13, right? Okay. in Hebrews chapter 13. I want to revert back, you stay there, to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 to 14, where we were last week. The author of this book wrote some very encouraging words On how we're supposed to love one another. Having the right aims in life. Aim at holiness. Aim at peace. When we aim at these things, we have to be aware of a few other things. The root of bitterness that may come in and sort of mess all that up. We have to be aware of some things, but that is the aim of a believer. We uh, we understood that because God has communicated his love to us. We have to communicate that to each other. So we have that right aim. Now, we're going to throw some scriptures up on the screen. The Ephesians scripture, I believe, we threw this up last week. I said, look these verses up. They're great verses. I'll remind you what they said. Ephesians 1.4 talks about how God loves us and chose us to be in Christ. Ephesians 5.2 says, live a life filled with love as an example because he loved us. Referring to God. 1 John uh, 4.911. we're going to skip to that one because that's the one we're actually you can look that one up. We're going to get to that one later. First John 4, 9-11 says that God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Let me hear you say real love. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He first loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we surely ought to love each other. Now, there's different scriptures throughout the Bible that remind us God loves us, God loves us, because God loves us, God loves us. That's why the author in Hebrews says, hey, that's why our aim, our focus, ought to be on loving others. Because what God's done for us, now we want to aim at being holy and aim at being at peace with others and aim at loving them. Now, when we read that God loves us in the Bible, I want you to understand that the Greek word typically used is agape. Let me hear you say agape. Agape love is a special love. Now we've talked about the different kinds of loves. There's eros love which was the Greek word which is used for a sexual love. It's the word we use in describing erotic pleasure. There's phileo love which is a, a brotherly love which we you know we talk about Philadelphia being a city of uh, brotherly love, right? And then there's storage love which is a, uh, a term for the love of family, a domestic peace. There's, there's different kinds of love the word used In the Bible, today we take that one word love and we use it for everything. Man, I love macaroni and cheese. I love my wife. I just use the same word, but obviously I've got a different love for those two. Okay? My wife wins out over mac and cheese every time. Right? Okay. Every time. But in the Greek, they would have used a different word for every time they express that word love. And every time we read the word about how God loves us, it isn't brotherly love. It isn't domestic love. It isn't some kind of um, deformed and messed up love. It's, it's agape love. It's a self, self-sacrificial love. It's I'm giving up myself, my rights, everything out of love for you. I'll do anything for you. That's agape love. And we often find as God speaks about his love that agape love we, we sit there and think, you know, well, is that like sentimental? Is that like good wishes? No, it's beyond that. It's gracious love. It's forgiving somebody when they've done something to you that just hurts and burns, and you're like, why would they do that? I forgive you. That's love. That's agape love. It's patience when stress is abundant. Anybody get stressed out this week at all? You're to your wits in, and I've had enough. Agape love steps in and says, I'm still going to be patient with you, regardless of how impatient I'm feeling right now. That's agape love. Because that is God's love, and because that's what God showed us, that's the love that God wants us to love each other with. He doesn't say, I'm giving you my agape love, so I want you to phileo love with somebody else. No. I- I've given you agape sap- sacrificial love, so I just want you to give domestic peace love to everybody else. No. God says, I'm giving you agape love, so love with that same agape love. So if you would, actually, actually just stay in Hebrews 13. I'm just going to reference this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's the love chapter. That's the love chapter. Isaac, where did you go? Where did you go? Right there. Okay. Your lovely bride-to-be isn't here today, is she? We sort of, you know, want to lift her up in prayer too, right? Yeah, okay. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you may hear this uh, in your ceremony on Saturday, you may not, but it, whenever you go to a wedding, it's like, love is patient, love is kind. Love is, love is, love you know, and they go through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's like the love chapter, right? It's like, oh, the love chapter. We have to remember, the, the Corinthian church was a mess. And when Paul wrote that, it wasn't to, okay, we're going to have a marriage seminar in, in the Corinthian church and it's got all the couples together. It was, no, this is for the whole church. This is for Everybody. So when Paul talked about this love, it wasn't just for the engaged couple or the married couple. It was for the whole church of Corinth. They had a problem in every pew or every chair or every cement block that they sat on. Just as for us, I, I would have said, Say we don't use pews, we use chairs. Just as there's a problem in every chair in this room, if we were honest, right? Some of us are selfish. Some of us are morally messed up. Some of us are theologically reckless. Some of us, um, at times, become unloving. We're emotionally strained. We're angry. Every one of us has something going on. And so first, when we read Corinthians, it's sort of like this. Paul says, I've got something for the whole church here. So when we read God's word, it was, oh, this was to somebody else. Now, First Corinthians chapter 13 was for you and I, too, about what love is. And we find in there that this is what love is. We're supposed to take that agape love of God and apply it to the one next to you. And across from you, a catty corner from you, it's for us to give out to others. So, being loved with agape love, being filled with agape love, let us love with agape love. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. You are there, in your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 13. Starting in verse 1, keep on loving each other, or continue to love each other with true Christian love. That's agape love. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some of you have done this and have entertained angels without even realizing. Don't forget about those in prison. Suffer with them as though you were there yourself. Share the sorrow of those being mistreated as though you feel their pain in your own bodies. Verse 4. Give honor to marriage. Remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Verse 5. Stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I'll never fail you and I'll never forsake you. When we love each other, real love is expressed in tangible actions. And we just read here in Scripture that this is what love is, right? Did you, did you hear uh, the author saying, when you love each other, do it with, with just your mind. I want you to think love. Or do it just with words. I just want you to speak words of love. Did you hear him say, I want you to theologically write down a 10-page paper on what love is, believe it, express it in your thought to other people, debate it with other people? No. I mean, that's all good, but it needs to be expressed as you see the author expressing this agape love. It's expressed with tangible actions. We're told to, remember the previous chapter, aim, to take aim, It's sort of repeated here now, but now it says, specifically, this is how you do it. So first thing is like this. We're going to show hospitality to strangers. I want you to think about this, okay? It simply means make other people feel comfortable at home. Now, we've got visitors here today at church. Awesome. Every week there should be visitors. Every week the chairs should be filled. Every week we say, oh, go grab more chairs. Why? Because we care enough about worshiping God that we want others to worship with us. And there may be people we know, maybe people we don't know. But when somebody comes in the store, we want them to feel at home. And for those of you visiting today, if you have not been made to feel at home, if nobody said hi to you, I want to apologize on, on behalf of our church because it shouldn't be that way. And church family, make sure, if you see somebody here you don't know, before you leave, go say hi. Let them know you're glad they're here because that's love. And we want to be loving people. And I know we're not perfect, but when somebody visits your church, your home, your place of work, You make them feel welcome. You make them feel welcome. You know, so it's sort of like this. Let's say this, okay? Let's say God says, Rex, I'm going to right now, I'm just going to give you my love. So we'll just pretend this is agape love. God just gave me agape love in my heart, my life, okay? So now as I go through life and I see people, it's like, oh, well, you know, I I really don't know them. So it's like, but I'm going to show hospitality to strangers by by how I say, you know, here you go. I I want you to make feel welcome at home or you know, somebody comes into work and I don't know who they are and they look like they've had a rough day and I look at them and I say, you know, it looks like you're, you're having a rough day and, I, you know, I just, I hope you feel better, are you okay? You know, and you sort of look at them and say, something must be going on wrong here in their life. Or for those of you, you know, you get a phone call from that in-law that you're like, oh, they're gone. Again. Somebody's, maybe their father-in-law calls up, they're having knee surgery and uh, so you go over and, and you express that love and say, Yes, have your father stay with us for three weeks. <laughs> God, that hurt. That was a lot of agape going out on that one. So, oh, you know, I love him. But that, that, that's showing that hospitality. Okay, but look, let's look at the next one. The next part of that verse is, says, Empathize with those who are troubled or mistreated, who's suffering in your world. Who's suffering right now? Think about who is suffering right now. You know, Chris, man, I, I, you guys just got word on your father-in-law having lung cancer, so it's like, man, I want, I want to love you. So I agape you. I give God's love to you by praying for you, by sending you a card, by giving you a call, whatever it may be. I want to know who's hurting. You know, who's struggling. Man, you know, I, okay, and, and I don't know if you did or not yesterday, but let's say you missed a layup, and you're bummed because, you know, you're playing basketball, and you missed it. Your dad's thinking, yeah, he did. And he's feeling, he's like, you know what? You know, I know you had a rough game. I, I hope you have a better game next time. I hope you're feeling better. And so you sort of agape people with that. Let's look at the next one. The next one is what? Respect marriage vows. Remain faithful in body and mind. Pray for your spouse. Encourage marriages around you. And when you think about this, this world's spinning out of control when it comes to relationships. And so you say, what can we do to help young married couples? What can we do to help middle-aged couples and older couples you know, mom and dad, are, they're celebrating. They're going to celebrate hopefully their 63rd uh, anniversary this year. I can't wait to celebrate it. And I sit there and say, we celebrated 20. I can't wait to celebrate 21. And some people are just saying, man, we're just trying to celebrate two. And it's a struggle, you know? So we go to couples, okay? Hey, Isaac's getting married next week. We want to agape him, okay? Listen, you know what marriage is like? You're going to need a lot of love, buddy. Just, man. Uh, <laughs> God knows what you need, okay? Okay? So here's the deal. As I'm, as I'm getting God, God's love, he's agape in me, guess what? It's like, all right, God, I'm running out. So God says, I got more for you. He says, oh, good, thanks, God, because I, I, I'm trying to love others, but I can't do it unless God continues to fill me. So let's look what the next thing is. It says um, in verse, verse five, stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. Man, how many of us are not content with what we have? We always want more, right? Well, if we could just have more, I just want more, I want more. And it's like God's saying, no, no, no. You know, you can live with less, you really can. You can really live with less, and I know you design more, but give away more than you accumulate. You know what, it was really hard. Seriously, this was almost hard for me because these gift bags were part of a clinic we did the other day, and I brought them home, and I'm going, yeah, look at all I got at home. Look what I get to keep at home. Oh, the boys are going to love me. And then they're sitting there going, Dad, you're giving out the candy. You know, it's not mine. That's not mine. It was leftover. And instead of me accumulating it, it's like God says, no. Just because you have it doesn't mean you have to keep it. Some of you are all like, come to me, come to me, come to me. Right? But, you know, I know this. what I've got, I can give to somebody else. I can say, here you go. Pass it on. You know, send it down the road. I don't care. Just, you know. Take what you want, just just I've got enough, just spread it, you know. For some reason, as Christians, we, we think we're like this big lake, this big reservoir, and it's like accumulate more, accumulate more, and instead we're a river, right? God's blessings flow through us and not just accumulate one place. And God says, Hey, be content with what you have. Don't be loving money, don't be loving all those things, 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 because you're never gonna have enough. You're never gonna have enough. And and I feel bad. Because we are a product of, I don't even know how to say this, uh, of that um, deserving, that entitlement. You know, I I was reminded yesterday at this clinic I went to, uh, you know, two generations ago, when kids got up for a sports banquet, there'd be like maybe four trophies, you know, most improved, best offense, best defensive player, MVP, whatever. That, That was it. Now if you go to, all of you go to sports banquets and what? You got like five tables lined up. Award for everything, every situation, anything that goes on. The kid that didn't know how to tie his shoes, you get an award. Congratulations for not knowing how to tie your shoe. Everything, you know? And and now, what do we, we all believe what? I deserve something. I I should get more, right? Instead of saying, you know what? No, no, no. I should be content with what I have. And if I don't get more, that's okay. That's okay. Temptation, emotions, various things float, you know, in and around my head and, and justifying why I shouldn't love God. See, God's given me this agape love, and he says, all right, I've given you love. Now go love others. But in my mind, I've got this thought going on, but God, I love Twizzlers. You don't know how much I love this and how much somebody else probably wouldn't appreciate this. You know, oh, I don't think, I think Mr. Moden here is going to like Twizzlers. So God, I would appreciate it more. I would appreciate your love more than he would. And God says, no. Even if he doesn't like it, you love him because he'll take that love and he'll give it to somebody else. Well, well but God, I, I want to give your love, but it's peanuts. He might be allergic to peanuts. That <laughs> will make him sick. I don't want to be responsible for loving somebody and it going bad. So I'm, it's, you know what? It's better not to say anything at all than try to be nice to somebody that blows up in my face, Right? God says, no, I've given you agape love. Would you please go give that to him? All right, but God, seriously? I'm going to give this away? It's a free meal at Chick-fil-A. It's not just a sandwich. It's waffle fries and a drink. God, you know I get hungry for that kind of stuff, right? And, oh, it's in Perrysburg. <laughs> like Scott's going to Perrysburg. Really? He will. He's not going to go the distance. He's going to use gas money. I'm, I might go there somewhere because it's good till November of what, two thousand fourteen. You might get there between now and then. So we see. You see what I'm saying? We justify all these things in our minds why we shouldn't give God's love away, and we sit there and think, you know what? I just like to hoard God's love. Matter of fact, God, I know what you're saying, and um, I, I, you know what. I'm going to be more loving, God. I love how we do this. We're like, God, you're right. I need to tithe more. Um, so instead of giving 10%, instead of giving 5%, God, I'm going to give 1%. Because really, God, that I'm I'm being obedient, I'm giving. So, instead of giving back to you as I should, I'm just I'm just going to give one away and and I'm, and I'm sorry too, but the one I'm giving to you is sort of broken and crummy. <laughs> My bad. But hey, I, I gave. Look at me. What did I do? Such an awesome thing, you know? Am I guilty of this? Yes. Are each of us guilty of this one way or another? Yes. Because for one reason or another, we, we've, we've put our minds that we're, we're entitled to this. That God owes us. When he says, I don't owe you anything, but I graciously give to you. Listen, you're not entitled to a job. You're not. None of us in this room are entitled to wages. None of us are are entitled to a vacation. Children, you are not entitled to awards. I'm sorry, you're not. Trophies, starting positions, playing time, you're not entitled to that. You don't deserve have a chair that we sit in, a car that we drive, or a house to live in. We are not entitled to an easy life. We are not. We don't deserve an allowance, kids, or an iPod, or whatever it may be. We don't deserve any of those things. We don't. But God has blessed us with them. Isn't that cool? So when you get a vacation, thank God. When you get a job, thank God. When you get an iPod, an allowance, thank God. When you get playing time, thank God for that. Because you're not entitled to anything. God doesn't owe us his love, but he says, I love you. And because I love you, I'm giving to you. And so he graciously gives to us. And he comes along and he, and he pours it upon us so that we can pour it upon people. Just sort of hold your hand out here and I'm just going to, this is what God does. He says, I'm just going to dump it. You can pass it down the road, take it home, give it to grandkids, give it to the family. I don't care. Just take the whole bag. Here, ready? Hands out. All yours. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The parade. Because what happens then as we continue to give God's love, continue to give God's love, we get to that point and spot in our life where it's like, we get empty. Do you ever have one of those days when you wake up and you know you're just grouchy? Guess what? You're running a little low on God's uh, love right now. Your tank is empty. And this is this is what I did. Last time I'm driving home and I'm and i and I'm looking at my gas gauge. I always do this. I don't know why, but I always do this. It's just a little above the E and I'm going, I wonder if I can make it from uh, Brian to Wauseon. Not many gas stations in between. You know, I can think of some great places now where they can put gas stations between here and Brian. Just saying, okay. And, and, and I got down, I, I, and in my mind I'm going, okay, if I get to this certain county road, I keep going, but if my gas light comes on, I'll turn and go to Archibald, so I keep going a little bit more, and, and then I got to that, that, that road, okay, that I had in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, I know I can make it to Wasean from here, and as soon as I said that, boing, <laughs> the light comes on, you're running low, it's like, God, as I'm driving right now, and I'm, you know, it's like, God's like, why are you, I gave you wisdom, hello? And you're not using it. You should have gassed up earlier before you even left, Brian. You knew it. But you tested yourself. And you're testing me. <laughs> and, and as i pulling into this gas station, I did make it and, and gassed up, but I had my phone ready to go in case I had to call somebody to bring me gas. Um, I'm sitting there going, why do I do that? Why do I wait till I'm completely empty before I decide to fill up? Why do we do that? Because what happens is, when I'm empty, I can't love probably the person that God's going to bring into my life those next five minutes. And I'm unable to love them with the love of God because I've exhausted myself and I've not allowed God to pour into me. I've not accepted the love that he's given me. And that's sort of when we get to our knees and say, you know what, I need to go back to the cross. Because at the cross, I understand what God did for me, his love for me, and bringing his, his son for me. And God says, you know what? Let me load you back up, Rex, because you're empty right now. And he gave more than what I could ever imagine. You know, I'm sitting again. going, God, you can do this in my life. God says, I can do this and so much more. So much more. And then I realized, wow. So what am I supposed to do with all this? Romans 8.13 says this. Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. God says this. He goes, you know what? You are in debt. To who? To others to love them with God's love. Isn't that crazy? That word is means bound. To owe. To be in debt. And God uses it in the book of Romans says, you owe others love. I I owe others love. So, so everything you give me, God, yes. Love others with it. Love others with it. If you want to, have fun. Make a song out of it, you know? I owe? I owe. It's off the love I go. I knew I should have never put that in a sermon. But anyway, okay. Seriously, think about this. I owe. I, I owe others love. When you see somebody and you know, you're just like, I don't owe them anything. It's like God said, yeah, you do. You owe them my agape love. Would you please love them for me? Because maybe they're not getting love today. John thirteen twelve says this. Matter of fact, why don't you turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, fourth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John 13. Jesus is sitting down with his disciples, and if you can imagine this intense scene, okay? Custom was, when you went into somebody's house, there was a servant there with a towel and a basin of water, and they would wash their feet as they came in. They came in to this room, and there was nobody there to wash feet. Now Jesus, Son of God, He's with his disciples. I mean, he's the man, so to say. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he is, it's Jesus, okay? And nobody's there to wash feet. Not one of the disciples says, hey, maybe I should take that agape love that he's given me and go do something. Maybe I should wash other people's feet and serve them. Maybe I'll take the role of a servant and, and show more love by washing dirty, stinky feet. But no, not one did. And who did it? John chapter 13, we see Jesus step out of his position that he, you know, the supremacy this uh, position that we saw in Hebrews and say, let me show you what love is about. And he got down, he took that basin of water, he took a towel, he went to the feet of one who was going to betray him. He went to the feet of, of one who is going to deny him. And he went to all the feet of those who ran from him in the garden. Every one of them, every stinky, dirty feet and he, know, he knew the lives of these men. He knew what they were going to do. He knew what they did in the past. And he said, you know what? I love you. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to serve you today. And, then, you know, because we sit there sometimes, and I know I do this. Well, I don't really want to love them because they don't deserve to be loved right now because you know what they did to me? You know what? If that was the case, Jesus would have never washed any of their feet if he would have used that kind of logic. John 13, 12 says this. After washing their feet. He put on his robe again. He sat down and said, do you understand what I was doing? Do you get it? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's who I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, what? You ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you example to follow. Do as I've done. See it's not enough that God says, "I love you, I love you." He sent His son down to show us His love. This is how you do it, everybody. This is how you love. He had to place himself lower than those who had hurt him. He loved those who were unloving at time. He loved them with Agape love. He served with Agape love, he gave with Agape love, and he died in their place with Agape love. He died in my place, in your place with Agape love. That's love. It's more than a decision. It's more than an emotion. It's more than Valentine cards that we, oh, I feel obligated I have to, you know, as Dan said, we had to put in everybody's box. It wasn't just the boys or the girls. We had to, everybody because you don't want anybody to feel left out, right? Listen, loving other people, you're not always going to get goosebumps, right? You're not always going to think sweet sentiments about certain people when you love them. It just doesn't happen that way. Mark 9, 19, Jesus said this. You know, Jesus got these people coming to him and, and his disciples were going out and they were trying to heal people and they weren't getting healed. People come back and said, your, your guys didn't do it. And, and, and Jesus is like, he gets a little frustrated with people. He's like, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Those were his words. See, he even got a little grouchy at times, right? I will call it a righteous grouchy because they weren't getting it. he's like, oh, don't you get this yet? but Christ-like love still ministered to them and healed them in spite of that moment. Christ-like love could be applauding good behavior because that's what Jesus did. He applauded the faith of the centurion. He applauded the faith of the the woman who took the alabaster bottle and then just sort of broke it over. Christ-like love refuses to endorse misbehavior. Jesus looked at the woman caught in adultery, but he didn't dismiss her sin. He wasn't silent when people were faithless and he loved the people in the temple enough to turn those tables over. Now, some kids may say, Mom, Dad, if you love me, you'd let me stay out late. No, no, I'm sorry. That's a lie. Love does whatever is best for that person. Love sets curfews. Love sets boundaries. Love seeks counsel. If there's a needy person in the church, come and says, could you pay all my bills? Just pay for all my bills. You know what? Love... That's true. That might, we might be a loving church to do that, but we'd be more of a loving church if we helped find you a job and showed you how to pay for bills. That'd probably be more loving. The love of Christ was no sweet sentiment at times, but it was a heartfelt resolve to do what was best in that situation in the interest of that person. What am I, what am I supposed to do for you right now in this moment, in this time, in this place? Today we have mixed emotions about what love is, but I believe a lot of us, especially a lot of us over the age 40, we're, we're, we look at, at the younger generations down and we say, what is going on? This uh, Monte Teo, you know, that uh, whole hoax with him that was involved about a supposedly imaginary girlfriend who died of leukemia during the Notre Dame football season. I mean, that story is, 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 is a hoax. It was a, very disturbing about this guy that set up this hoax. And, and we sit there and say, how could this football player believe such a thing? I mean, how could he? Welcome to the 21st century forms of communication. Welcome to the 21st century one-dimensional relationships. For, for those of us that are 40 and over, we sit there and say, you can't have a relationship with people like that. I know. But our younger generations believe that's what relationships are. I can have a relationship with somebody on the internet that I've never seen before. That's a, I've got a relationship with them. and that, it's, it's, it's so odd, and we think, That's not love, but you see, to them it is. Love is communicated in so many different ways. And that's the kind of culture we're in. And that's why we gotta step back and say, this is how love is communicated. By the God of the universe who sent his son to die on the cross, to take our messed up life and help us get it right. So we can have a right relationship with God. So we can get his agape love to give to others. That's love. That's how it's communicated. Now, when you think about this, I don't know how many of you, have, I asked you to pull out your driver's license right now. Well, what's your picture look like on that driver's license? Are you smiling or not? Some people don't smile because they want to have the same expression the mood they're in when they have to show it to the police officer. All right. Well, I, I heard, I didn't realize this, but supposedly now in, in airports, the TSA, they've got this new law, this new rule out, that they look at your uh, license now, uh, with a flashlight. It's like a, like a three-inch, uh, sort of a black light uh, type of flashlight because the airport screeners, they want to start examining your driver's license or passport IDs, anything that's going to have a government seal that's probably in a, a hologram of some, some sort, when they take those flashlights and show, they can see the hologram better. So there's marks on your driver's license that help identify certain things. And see, there's marks in your life that identify you as a believer in Jesus Christ. And when this world takes a peek at you, those marks should be identified by how we take the agape love of God and love others. When I think about 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 to 11, we read this. It says this. God showed, repeat after me, God showed how much He loved us. Let me hear you say He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Let me hear you say he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, let me hear you say God loved us. How does that much? We surely ought to love each other. Three times. Three times. John's going, listen, God loved us. God loved us. God loved us. We ought to love each other. Agape, 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 agape. Loving God, loving others, they match up. When we sing, I want you to think about our love for God, okay? Let's stop thinking about our love for each other. Let's go back to our love for God. When we sing worship songs, are we singing about God or are we singing to God? Just think that one through. When we sing worship songs, our songs, if I remember what Scripture says, shout to the Lord, sing to the Lord. I think that's what Scripture says. But when we gather together, what do we do? Let's sing about God. No, let's sing to God. So when we come in here, you may not think you have a good voice. I don't care. You're not singing to me, and you're not singing to the person next to you. You're singing to God. So sing. If you want to make a shout, shout. Men, I will ask a gentleman in here. Men, have you ever written a song? Have I mean, you've been, uh, maybe wrote a poem, wrote a song. Sing to your girlfriend, your your fiance, your wife. anybody ever did that? Isaac, you ever done that? Yeah, I know you did. Okay, I pick on you in that one. Okay, but here's the deal. Okay, so Isaac, can I can I can I pick on you? So I'm looking right through Dave here. I don't want Dave to get weirded out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so let me ask you this. So you've written a song. Have you sung it yet? Are you allowed to say? Is it secret? Like you're gonna do it on your wedding day or something? Now have you have you sang that song? Okay. Did you sing that song to anybody else? No. Okay. Just <laughs> That was a dangerous question to ask. Thank you for being honest with me. But, you know, the crazy thing is, you know, the crazy answer would have been, have you ever written a song to sing? And he goes, yes. Have you ever sang it to her? No. Oh. Did you sing it to anybody else? Well, yeah, about five other people. <laughs> okay, then that's not, that's not love. Well, what are you doing, you know? See, when we sing these songs to God, these worship songs, that's us singing to God. That's our love song that we sing back to God, not to somebody else. And that's why we always have that fine line between worship and entertainment. Entertainment is for the pleasure of everybody else. Worship is for the pleasure of God. And that's why we want our worship to be for the pleasure of God, not for everybody else. Because we want to sing to God. Let me ask you another question for everybody out there. Would you be okay if your spouse, one you love, family member, said this, I love you so much, I'm going to spend an hour of my week with you this week. Just, no, maybe 10 minutes to and from to see you, but an hour. I mean, would that fly? Jenny, would that fly if I just spent one hour with you each week? You thought about that for a second. I hope it would never fly and it would never fly with me. If she goes, well, I'm only gonna spend an hour with you for the week and that's it. And I'll be out and about doing other stuff. I mean, that's Sunday morning. Sunday morning's our hour together worshiping God, right? Are we okay with that? This is good enough for me? I don't know if that really says, I love you, God. See, I think singing to God shows love for God. I think spending time with God shows love for God. Now let me ask you this. I want each of you to do this, okay? Here's a little exercise for you. Think of a friend right now. Somebody's a good friend of yours. In your mind, I want you to think of three things about that friend. What makes them so so special? Okay, who's that friend in your life? Why are they so special? Okay, we got this. Now, if you were to come up to me afterwards and say, and I said, hey, tell me about one of your friends. You're like, not a problem. This is my friend. This is who they are in my life. And you name off those three things to me. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. Now let me ask you this. Jesus Christ, is he more than a friend to you? He's your savior, right? Can you tell me three things about your savior? Why is Jesus so special to you? You see, when we witness, when we share our faith with others, you know what I'm doing? I'm telling you about a special friend of mine. He's my savior. Let me tell you three things about what he's done for me. It's simple evangelism, but we make it really hard. See, loving God means I also share God with others. You can do this. I can do this, right? And this is, I guess, we get to the point here where I say maybe our faith is sort of like show and tell. A lot of times it's just all tell. No show. Sometimes I'll show and no we'll tell. Just bring it together. Okay? I want you to know about my faith in God. I want you to know about God that loves me and I'm going to show you how I'm going to love you with His love. I'm going to show you and tell you that my love for God is genuine, so I'm going to sing to Him. I'm I'm going to I'm going to worship Him, and not other things. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to show you uh, my love for Him by telling all you about Him. That's love. That's love. Communion. This is show and tell right now. This is a form of show and tell. And I don't want to I don't want you know what I'm saying. I don't want to belittle this. Okay, this is special. But this is sort of that sort of moment of show and tell. This is you, your moment to say, God, I recognize your agape love for me. And I'm going to confess what I need to confess to you. Make sure I'm right with you. And because I love you, I recognize this by coming forward and taking a piece of bread which resembles your body and taking a cup of juice which represents your blood. What you did for me, your sacrifice, gives me new life. And when I take this and when I eat it and I drink it, it symbolizes our faith, our love in him. It's a way for us to go back and say, God, I believe in you and I love you. It's an act of obedience. It's what Jesus did and he commands us to do it. And when we do this, we aren't just doing it because, well, it's a certain Sunday of a certain month. No, we do this out of obedience and love. It's our moment to show and tell each other and God how much we love him. We're going to take communion here in in just a bit. And I'm going to pause and I'm going to pray. And as we take communion, the Lord's Supper, I want to remind you, this was instituted on the night of his betrayal. After he washed the feet, he had the Lord's Supper. We believe it's a memorial of his death. It's a center of communion and fellowship with one another. A testimony of saving faith. a, A visible seal of his redemptive covenant. So when you take that piece of bread and that cup, which symbolizes the death and life of Jesus Christ, do it with dependence on him until he returns. That's what we're supposed to do. We'll have you come forward on your own, take the piece of bread, take the drink, and go back with your family anywhere in this room. Pray with them alone if you want, or just go off to the side, take it, and then go back to your seats, and we're going to close in a song. Would you please stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we thank you, Lord, for being an incredible God that has such agape love for us. And you've commanded us and shown us how much you love us, but you command us now to love others. We can't love others until we first accept your love and love you. Through the power of your Holy Spirit Then that comes upon us, then we can love others. And when we start seeing that We're struggling in loving others, Lord. Maybe it's because we've not been spending enough time with you. We've not asked for your spirit to to give us the strength to love others. So, Lord, we want to love you, and we want to show you our love for you because what you did in sending your son as a sacrifice is incredible. So, Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to be buried and to come back to life, to give us new life, to take away our sins, the things that we've done and messing up, because we we can't fix those things, but you, you did. So Lord, when we take communion this morning, we humbly say thank you and we love you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for new life in you. Thank you for the ability now to love one another as you've loved us. We honor you now, Lord, as we take this bread and we take this cup. We do this in remembrance of you. In thy name we pray.